1: More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: I never win and tell.
2: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void rep prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray, Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Oh my goodness! Oh, oh, oh. Tie game in overtime. Gasol will turn his knee. Memphis on top. Seven, ten, twenty. Now a three. Count A 15-point play for Memphis. And Blake Griffin gets into it on the floor with Randolph. Hard to tell if there are any punches being thrown under there, but Griffin took exception to something. The officials break it up quickly. See, he just locked his arm and then kind of pulled him over. Zach falls down. And then, you know what? A little elbow there. Oh, he's digging the elbow.
0: Yeah, you know. Welcome to Grits and Grinds, a Memphis Grizzlies podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Keith Parrish. Over the weekend, the Grizzlies picked up two more wins to extend their winning streak to five. Most importantly, Ja Morant returned a few days early from that initial diagnosis of him being out three to five weeks. We feared the Grizzlies would hold him out for a very, very long time. Apparently, young Ja heals quickly, and he was questionable for the game on Friday against the Timberwolves. That game ended up getting postponed for health and safety reasons. And then they played the Sixers on Saturday. Ja Morant did indeed make his return a breath of fresh air. Ja is back and the Grizzlies like I said, won both games over the weekend. They're now 7 and 6 on the season. Over 500 and Ja Morant is here so things are looking pretty sweet for the Memphis Grizzlies. Eventually, when Jaron Jackson Jr. gets back, this team we hope maybe is going to be pretty good. The win on MLK Day against the Suns was basically the first win over a good team without an asterisk, without all their players sitting out or their best players sitting out, as was the case against Philadelphia, where Joel Embiid didn't play. I mean, I guess the Suns do have the excuse they'd been off for an entire week, maybe a little bit rusty. Devin Booker especially was very, very rusty. He was 5-for-21 from the field. I know we focus as a Grizzlies podcast on Dylan Brooks and his shooting struggles. He was 1-for-10 from the field. But, hey, if Devin Booker is going to be 5-for-21, that's a fine trade-off. Not that they're exactly 1-to-1 matched up all the time. But Devin Booker was extremely rusty, and he missed a wide-open dunk. With just under two minutes left in the game. He makes that dunk, it's a whole different narrative. If he makes that dunk, I can, you know, emphasize that's why you don't have John ja Morant, Tyus Jones, and Grayson Allen all on the floor together, because you couldn't get any offensive rebound or you couldn't get any defensive rebounds. DeAndre Ayton was getting every second shot opportunity for the Suns as the Grizzlies couldn't clear the glass. And then they finally the Suns get an offensive rebound, throw it to Devin Booker. He bricks a wide open dunk. Grizzlies come down, knocked down a three-pointer, our hero Grayson Allen from the corner, off an incredible setup by John Morant. I mean Grayson Allen gets credit for having another very very strong game and I'll get to more of that later, but Grayson Allen knocks down that go-ahead three when John Morant splits a double team and then a third defender comes to help out. So three guys are on John Morant and that allows him to whip that baseline pass. Grayson Allen in the corner who knocks down the big three-pointer. But again, it's narrow margins between narratives of success and failure, and because Devin Booker missed a wide-open dunk, and then Grayson Allen makes the three, we are feeling great as Grizzlies fans for being over 500 at this point of the season. During this five-game winning streak, I feel like I've been more of the glass half-empty. I've been pointing out how it's either unsustainable or isn't a sign of how the Grizzlies are actually performing. They get credit for their defense. They get credit for beating the teams they've been facing. But it's still a precarious winning streak. And the team is not playing very well on offense. They're one of the worst offensive teams in the NBA. They're winning on the strength of their defense. They're winning on the strength of getting steals. Now for the season, they are number one in the NBA in steals per game. For the season, they are still dead last in catch-and-shoot field goal percentage. They're 29th in catch-and-shoot three-point percentage at 31.5% accuracy on three-point attempts. Only the New Orleans Pelicans are worse at 31.3%. They're 25th in offensive rating, 25th in effective field goal percentage, 27th in three-pointers made, 27th in three-point accuracy. During the five-game win streak, the Grizzlies have only averaged nine made threes per game, which is last in the NBA for the last five games. They've made the fewest three pointers in the NBA over their last five games, yet they've won every one. I don't think it's a referendum on oh they're just taking the ball inside, they're playing to their strengths, they're just taking open shots, they're not worrying about you know analytics or something. No, they're they're missing their shots. They have three-pointers, they're not making them. They're generating some good looks and just everyone can't hit a shot, basically. Except for, I will say, Desmond Bain gets a, uh, an excuse note. For the season, Desmond Bain is now 16th in the NBA in three-point accuracy. 16th in the entire NBA, uh, Desmond Bain, 48.9%. Don't know if he can keep it up. I mean, I don't think he's going to keep it that high at 48.9% but he could possibly uh, maybe break Mike Miller's franchise record for three-point accuracy in a season. Miller's record is uh, 45.9% from three. I wouldn't bet money on it that Desmond Bain's going to do that, but promising, encouraging signs from Desmond Bain and his shooting prowess so far. Oh, Let's talk about both of these games over the weekend. The Sixers game saw the Grizzlies return to a starting lineup they used some last year where it was John Morant, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, Brandon Clark, and Jonas Valanciunas. As faithful listeners of Grits and Grinds know, that lineup, starting lineup had some okay success but struggled to score. And much like we've emphasized when Tyus Jones was in there, the starting lineups with Kyle Anderson, Brandon Clark, and Jonas Valanciunas, for whatever reason, have struggled to score. And we have a very large sample size going back into last season, that says this. And once again, against the Sixers, the starting lineup really struggled to score out of the gate. But then you had the second unit come on. You had four of them come on with uh, Tyus Jones, Grayson Allen, and Xavier Tillman. This was notable to me just because Desmond Bain didn't come on yet. Desmond Bain was the 10th person to enter the game, and he'd been coming in a little bit earlier. But with that arrangement of Desmond Bain being the last of the five people on the bench unit to come in, that meant he was held over to play with the starters, with four of the starters when they came back in to start the second quarter. And I loved this. I actually, this is something i had been asking for as far as a rotation pattern. And they started the second quarter with John Morant, Desmond Bain, holdover from the first quarter, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, and Jonas Valanciunas. I think that is a much stronger five-man unit, especially because I think it can help Jonas Valanciunas get going. Jonas Valanciunas has been just a little bit off so far this season. I mean, before he had to sit down again with the health and safety protocol. But I feel like that five-man unit, it's a pretty, maybe a pretty solid starting lineup. If you finally want to switch up the starting lineup, John Morant, Bain, Brooks, Kyle Anderson, the four, Jonas Valanciunas. So I thought that was encouraging to see those five guys play together because honestly, we haven't seen them play together that much. And then after a couple minutes, Kyle Anderson came back off and Brandon Clark checked in. Also, I like this five-man unit. I know Kyle Anderson has been great this year, but if you ever wanted to put him in a sixth-man role, starting something like John Morant, Bain, Brooks, Brandon Clark, Jonas Valanciunas, I think that sets the Grizzlies up for success. And, And they played that way in the second quarter of the Sixers game. Then finish the half, again, with this mixture of, again, the kind of fun lineup where you have Jones and Grayson Allen and Anthony Melton all together, plus uh, with Tillman on the court with Kyle Anderson. Uh, A lot of good ball handlers, or not good ball handlers, a lot of competent secondary ball handlers like Grayson Allen, Melton, and Kyle Anderson can all dribble. I love it anytime Melton and Kyle Anderson are on the court together. Going back to last season, there's just you know net rating when those two guys are on the court together. Almost always a success both this year and last year. And so if you're going to have Grayson Allen, who again, I've been a pretty loud critic of, having Grayson Allen on there as the shooter, if he's there with guys like Melton and Kyle and now Tillman who's Tillman has demonstrated. He is a versatile defender. He's a very, very good defender so far early in his career. He's shown flashes. I don't know if it's going to keep up, but he has been very, very impressive so far. So anyway, I thought that was a decent lineup for Grayson Allen to have a good game. And somewhat controversially, I still didn't think Grayson Allen had a great game. Against the Sixers, he, he knocked down a couple threes, you know, some nice wide open threes, which is, again, it's what he's supposed to be doing. And I'm excited when his threes go in. He hit a buzzer beater at the end of the third. But for this game, he played a lot of minutes and the Grizzlies won. And, and he put up some good stats, some good counting stats. And I still wasn't convinced it was Grayson Allen having a great game. I thought the Sixers were specifically attacking him nonstop. Shake Milton went nuts. Uh, driving on Grayson Allen, and Grayson Allen didn't have a lot he could do. And I know the defense, I'm not sure what the strategy was. It did seem like they were going under on a lot of screens, and maybe that was a plan. But Shake Milton was cooking, and also Tobias Harris was like posting up Grayson Allen anytime they needed a bucket. They would go down there. So I was just, I, I mean, I was like gritting my teeth the whole time. I just thought there were better options. And that's been like my continual thing about Grayson Allen. Now, if you look towards The MLK Day game, Grayson Allen had a very, very nice game. Again, I'll come back to that. But anyway, the Grizzlies, to not get too into the weeds about all the lineups and things, um, the Grizzlies do pull out the win against the Sixers based on their defense because their offense was not clicking. I mean, the Sixers themselves, even when Embiid isn't playing, the Sixers have a good defense. But the Grizzlies hung on for that win because of their defense and a ton of credit goes to maybe an, an unlikely hero. And that's Xavier Tillman. Like I said earlier, you know, he's shown that he seems to be a very, very good defender. Jonas von Tunis got in foul trouble and Tillman came in. And then in the fourth quarter, it was basically, we need Tillman out there for his versatility. We need Tillman to be able to switch out onto different players and to guard on the perimeter and guard in the post. And he made maybe the defensive stop at the game, kind of getting Tobias Harris to step out of bounds as the Grizzlies get the victory. So coming out of the Sixers game, I was feeling good just because, you know, the Grizzlies were six and six. That seems pretty cool. The results were there. I did feel like, despite Grayson Allen making some big shots, that they won almost... The
2: economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Despite of him being on the court because I thought they were getting killed in the ways I was worried it would kill them. Uh, when Grayson Allen played. But, like, I went into the Suns game trying to focus on, like, what am I missing that the coaching staff obviously has confidence in Grayson Allen, and they think he must unlock some things. So I-, I tried to focus a lot on the Suns game to maybe I- I'm being too biased against him, and I got to see what other people are seeing and figure out what he's doing well. Um, and I'll get to that right after this short break.
2: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.
0: All right, so I went into the Suns game really focused on, I got to see what Grayson Allen is doing so well that other people are excited about that I'm just totally missing. And I also was preparing myself somewhat emotionally um, for maybe Grayson Allen playing a huge role because Jonas Valanciunas was announced he was going to be out with contact tracing um, and the Grizzlies, you know, obviously going to have to adjust the starting lineup. And part of me was nervous because John Morant was back. We were going to see the return to the opening night starting lineup of Jaw and Grayson and Dylan and so on and so forth. But they did start Xavier Tillman, and I was kind of excited about this. I'll come back to Grayson in a second, but I was excited for Xavier Tillman getting the start because I do think there's a lot of promise in that Brandon Clark-Xavier Tillman front court. I think it works better. Those two guys work better with Kyle at the three than it does with... Jonas Tunis in there in this one game that they played together. They still did not really excel at offense when they were on the court together, but I think possibly they can and not to overuse the word versatility, but Kyle Brandon and Xavier out there can do a lot more things defensively. And we saw yet another great defensive game from the Grizzlies overall, but they started with that. And then when it was time for the second unit, we got kind of a big surprise where, you had you know, Grayson and Desmond came in, which wasn't surprising. Dylan Brooks got in early foul trouble, missed a couple shots, got two fouls. So you had Grayson and Desmond come in first, and then it was Tyus, and we assume Gorgie Jang was going to fill in on the second unit now um, that Jonas wasn't going to play. And then surprisingly, John Conchar got dusted off and put in, and D'Anthony Melton was left out of the rotation. I have no answers on why D'Anthony Melton did not play, I am one of D'Anthony Melton's biggest fans, so it was kind of hard to swallow. I, I, I watched the first half um, while on a Zoom call, but I was watching the first half, and I was mainly like so surprised that Melton wasn't playing that I had to go back and watch it again to see like what I missed because I was just staring at it confused. I mean, I understand. My guess is because as far as I've seen, Taylor Jenkins did not address this in a press conference. No one asked him. Uh, I wasn't able to go to the press conference after the game, and no one asked him why Melton didn't play. My guess is, based on other answers he's given before, is he said he wanted to try some different looks and give Conchar a chance to play because Conchar had been playing well. Conchar played well in this game. John is a good NBA player. I don't know what position he is, but if you want to talk about positionless basketball, there's your John Conchar. Doing some good things, but I was pretty stunned that Melton, who had had really good games the last three games, D'Anthony Melton has been playing very, very well, but he was left out of the rotation. And Grayson Allen was once again called on to do a lot of things. I highlight Grayson Allen because he's getting more playing time than basically anyone else on the roster outside of Kyle Anderson and Brandon Clark. I mean, with John Moran's getting more minutes, but over the last three games, the first half rotations have had Grayson Allen playing more minutes than Dylan Brooks. Some of that might be Dylan Brooks foul trouble from last game, but we're seeing things where Grayson Allen's playing 13, 14 minutes in the first half and Dylan Brooks is playing like 12. Over the last three games total, Grayson Allen has played more minutes than Dylan Brooks. Dylan is struggling. I mean, in the five-game winning streak, Dylan is shooting 33% or 35%. In the last eight games, Dylan Brooks has only had one good shooting game. He's shooting 33% from the field in the last eight games. The Grizzlies currently have won four straight games with Dylan Brooks shooting 40% or worse from the field. If you want a positive spin... Last year, they basically couldn't win if Dylan Brooks had a bad shooting game. So Dylan isn't hijacking the team. Against the Suns, I felt like he was pressing and he did take some bad shots. But, positive spin. Hopefully the Grizzlies are no longer prisoner to his results. I mean, I've been adamant this year that Dylan has been playing well despite his shooting numbers being bad. Last year, if you remember, you probably don't, I was pretty adamant that Dylan Brooks should not be used to close basketball games. I thought he was sabotaging the team out there in fourth quarters. There were better options. And in this game, in the Suns game, he didn't close the game. I don't know if we need to have a bigger conversation about Dylan Brooks or reassess maybe our opinions of him. Is the, you know, is it the, outli- is the outlier the really, really hot streak from last season? when it was like, you know, December through mid-January. And it seems pretty obvious that's the outlier. I mean, it's pretty obvious he's not a, you know, 45% from the field shooter, 40% from downtown, you know, 18, 19 points per game guy. But I don't think he's a sub 40% shooter. But maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe I've been giving him too much credit. Maybe some of my assumptions uh, are, are being proved false. I thought they weren't assumptions. I thought they were observations based on seeing him play a lot. Um, But these are some ghastly shooting numbers from Dylan Brooks. I mean, he stayed after the game to, you know, to get some shots up. So hopefully he will bounce back soon because they need Dylan. I mean, the Grizzlies can't keep winning, making as few shots as they do. I mean, Ayton was a man among boys getting all the rebounds for the Suns, but he had a pretty rough game as well despite finishing with 18 points and 16 rebounds. And Devin Booker, like we mentioned at the top of the show, you know, 5-for-21 is not going to get it done. You give credit to the Grizzlies' defense, but also knowing there's certain things you can control and certain things you can't control, and Devin Booker missing that many shots, that's probably on Devin, not so much on the defense. So the Grizzlies are going to need Dylan Brooks, but the guy who's coming through right now like I've been saying, is Grayson Allen, and I find it surprising. In this game, he had another slow start. And maybe there's something to Grayson Allen needs to warm up a good bit or something. I don't know. His first half shooting numbers in this five-game winning streak, uh, they're like, he's hitting 40% of his shots. In the second half, he's hitting over 50% of his shots. That's Grayson Allen. During the five-game winning streak, Grayson Allen has very, very strong numbers. 47.5% 47.5% on field goals, 47.8% on three-pointers, averaging 13 points per game, just about 24 minutes per game. And that'll get it done. One thing that he's done well, and especially the last three games that has been needed for the Grizzlies, is just draw fouls. Right now the Grizzlies are last in the NBA, according to cleaning the glass, in drawing shooting fouls. They're just getting free throws. They're last in free throw rate as a team. Grayson Allen has been effective in drawing fouls. He's using that handle, where sometimes he gets to the rim and he can't finish, but he's been able to draw fouls over the last three games. So that's something positive that Grayson Allen has been doing. He's attacking defenses. It led to him committing four turnovers against the Suns. I think some of that was Desmond Bain being out of place on a few plays. Desmond Bain also, he keeps messing up on defense on switches. Like I am not an expert on the X's and O's of NBA basketball and knowing where players are supposed to be. But he's doing things so obviously wrong as far as leaving, leaving guys wide open on switches where people are yelling at him and pointing at him. I mean, I can I can pick that up. I don't have to be an expert to see that. That stuff's pretty obvious. But anyway, Grayson is attacking, and while it led to some turnovers in the first half of the Suns game, he did end up getting to the line a lot throughout the game. He also... You know, came through in the clutch, not just with that three-pointer, but making the free throws down the stretch. So the Grizzlies have prioritized, you know, getting assists, having pace, even though their pace is down this year. It seems like Taylor Jenkins has consistently wanted to get ball handlers and prefers, when he can, maybe to play a little bit smaller, even though they've been starting this bigger lineup it seems like they prioritize, you know, the offense against the defense. I think it was interesting in both of these games, the Suns and Sixers games, there were opportunities down the stretch when the Grizzlies had a lead maybe to do offense for defense. Against the Sixers, I was kind of pulling my hair out thinking, why don't you have a defensive lineup in the game? You know, you're up by 5, you're up by 6, you're up by 7. Why are we why is Grayson Allen out there with a smaller lineup? Let's put some of our defenders in. Let's put why isn't Kylie Anderson on the court? Like, I was going nuts. Played the Anthony Melton. We need, we need defense here to get the stop. Against the Suns, they went with a very different lineup. I mean, this entire game, there were weird different lineups we've never seen before. You know, because you're playing Contrar, because Valanchunas was out, you're going to get new lineups. But closing the game, they went with a, almost a three-point guard lineup. I mean, it was Ja and Tyus together with Grayson Allen at the 3 And then you had uh, Brandon Clark and Kyle Anderson before uh, Kyle came out and they closed with Brandon Clark and Xavier Tillman. I didn't think that lineup was going to get it done on the defensive end. I was sure they weren't going to get stops and we're going to get rebounds. But the calculus of, well, our offense will overcome that and maybe these guys can attack the Suns the best. That's what the coaching staff thought would happen. And that's what happened. Credit to them. The Grizzlies closed the game on a fifteen to four run with this very unique lineup. It's not really something I would ever think of trying. I mean, I like the idea of of Tyus and and Jaw playing together. Some, especially when the Grizzlies are shorthanded, and especially when some of your shooting guard options don't have it going on, because those guys in a vacuum are two of your better players, especially two of your better guards. But credit to the coaching staff for being seven and six, despite weirdos like me criticizing a lot of the moves or. Questioning some of the lineup decisions. I think they trust Grayson Allen to maybe be the best catch and shoot shooter on the team. Like Desmond Bain, stats are better, but Desmond Bain gets lost on defense. And they think attacking on offense and getting the ball moving and getting the assists up. They're, I think, third in the NBA in assist percentage. You know, most of their buckets are assisted. And Taylor Jenkins says that's the first thing he looks at in the stats: is how many assists did they have? And if Grayson Allen is out there, you know, whipping the ball around and when he gets the ball swung to him, either if he's open, he's one of the Grizzlies' best options to shoot an open three-pointer. And if he's not open, he's been able to drive, get the defense to react, draw fouls, and to come through, you know, come through in the clutch when needed. So kudos to Grayson Allen. I'm not ready to, uh, you know, admit any form of error in assessing his play. The question, the unanswered question is, would the Grizzlies have won these games if someone else is playing those minutes? Like, that's still my belief, but, you know, it's probably me just being stubborn, which I'm uh, I'm allowed to do. Uh, finally, a little word about Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark's been having some, what you would call strong games, even though overall his statistical profile is not, I don't know, not that strong. During the five-game win streak, while he has been um, starting a bunch of the games He is averaging 16.6 points per game and 7.4 rebounds, you know, which is strong and positive or whatever, but he's averaging those points on 15.4 field goal attempts per game, which is, you know, not great. Those are Dylan Brooks numbers, 16 points on 15 field goal attempts, Uh, not perfect, and a lot of it is just, you know, his accuracy. We've talked about, you know, the free throw struggles, but... Still, his accuracy on like that floater range is not there yet. He's gotten a little better at finishing around the rim, even though he still missed a ton of dunks. If you just look at his shooting stats um, from 0 to 5 feet, based on NBA.com's player tracking, from 0 to 5 feet this season, he's shooting 60%, but last season he shot 73% from 0 to 5 feet. And on those floaters from 5 to 9 feet, last season he made over half of them, 52.9%. This year he's only making 40% of them. So, I, I, you know, I don't know if it's playing without Ja, just him getting adjusted to, you know, this season and his new shooting form and not knowing whether to use his old floater form or to go into that new weird pull-up jumper thing. I don't know. It still kind of bugs me, but he's been very active and has been reasonably productive, I guess, on offense, uh, but we continue to obsessively monitor how that's going. Anyway, the Grizzlies now go on the road to play the Trailblazers. The Trailblazers, turns out, um, they are going to be a little shorthanded. CJ McCollum is out for four weeks. Yusuf Nurkic is out for a long time. I think maybe eight weeks. So maybe the Grizzlies, you know, can pick up a win, get a, a tiny bit of revenge from the bubble and the play-in games, and keep uh, this positive momentum going forward. Is the DeAnthony Melton situation something to monitor, or is it just the random? Sometimes guys aren't going to play. I'm going to try some new lineups. I don't know. I'll, I'll try to get some answers to that. But anyway, uh, thanks for checking out the show. Tell other Grizzlies fans about it. I appreciate it if you do that. Anyway, you guys have a good one. Go Grizz.
2: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.
1: On July 23rd, 1993, basketball superstar Michael Jordan's father, James Jordan, was murdered in North Carolina.
0: This is the father of the most famous athlete on the planet, and on his 57th birthday, he was an unidentified dead man in the middle of nowhere.
1: From WREL Studios, available now, is Follow the Truth, where we dig into the story of the James Jordan murder, And the man who says he didn't do it.
2: I know that if this was not Michael Jordan's file, I wouldn't be in prison.
1: We'll question the evidence. Is it
2: possible for a man to be shot in his car and authorities not find any blood? Our
0: ballistics expert says it couldn't have happened.
1: Shed light on the mystery that has always surrounded the murder. Whether his financial dealings could have had anything to do with his death. And uncover bombshell new developments.
0: Here we are a quarter century later and the back cover on this whole murder case isn't yet closed.
1: Follow the truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen.